I want to talk about the D. What's super interesting is that this is a story about Vegas, and I don't know what the D is. All right, coming up on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Fidelity, rolling out some crypto stuff. Tether is all over the place. Decred is turning over all of its funds to investors. There's some serious drama at Cardano. We're going to go over some Ethereum Classic D apps. We're going to talk about the D. And we're going to go around the world with a business that is giving us a little bit of a reality check here on the Crypto Basic Podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Michael Locke, and I'll be joined today with Brent Philbin. Hey, what's up? And that's going to be it. It's just us today. Kareem is on vacation. He is exploring tall trees in California or something along those lines. Uh, best, best of travels to him. Do they have tall trees there? Yeah, they're called Redwoods. You should check them out sometime. Uh, I got to get to California first. That, that's really far. <laughs> I go as far as Denver and that's it. For those of you that are unfamiliar with the Friday flagship, this is our weekly discussion where we talk about news, current events, and all the nonsense that gets tossed around in the cryptocurrency space. So, Brent, last weekend, uh, you went on a little adventure. Uh, I wish I could have joined you, but was it didn't work out. What did you do? Okay, so we, we went to a blockchain conference, or I did. I went to a blockchain conference. So I get I get an email about somebody who wants to be interviewed on the podcast. I said and I will still interview this person despite what I'm about to say if they they haven't actually picked a date, but um they they wanted an interview and, and I noticed that they had a blockchain conference in Miami and we all live in Florida. So I'm like, oh, this is great. I'll ask for tickets to this blockchain conference and then it, that'll be like our compensation for the interview, right? Well, they gave us the tickets. Even though it was, they didn't actually give them to us until like the day of. It was like I had to go back and forth doing a lot of emailing, trying to figure out if we were even getting these tickets because we hadn't done the interview, and like there were no tickets. So uh, Mike couldn't go, Kareem couldn't go. So the first blockchain conference ever attended by the Crypto Basic co- Podcast was attended by me and somebody who knows absolutely nothing about crypto, but is a good uh, networker. So we went, paid for parking, and. <laughs> It was like how much did you pay for parking? Brad? Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars for parking. It is Miami, though. What part of Miami was it? In? It was at the Wynwood uh, Mana Convention Center. So that's a pretty nice place, right? Yeah, I, I've been to a music festival there, and it is pretty nice. And it was set up like everything looked nice, but you know, I don't want to like I, I don't want to like shit all over somebody's dream if this is like their cool little like blockchain conference or whatever. But I didn't look at the list of people who were talking before I went there. I didn't recognize any of them. And then when we got there, I'm like, oh, there will be booths by like Binance or whatever. No, nothing. I didn't recognize – the only booth, and I walked around all of them, that I recognized was Cohen & Co. They are the uh, custodians for the true USD. That's the only thing that I recognized, and there was nobody at their booth. It's the only one that I wanted to interact with. All the rest of them seemed like they were kind of like you know, projects that maybe I should care about, but it just wasn't um, – it was not impressive at all. So I went and watched the the women in blockchain uh, pres- presentation because it was presented <laughs> by IBM. So it was the only company I'd ever heard of, and uh, it wasn't you know that it wasn't particularly informative. Um, it was it was a uh, it was a panel. The audience wasn't really into it, I guess either. Charlie fell asleep <laughs> next to me, <laughs> so. <laughs> We didn't stay too long. Okay, we all right, all right. I, quick question for you. Um, you've already you, – since you revealed his name of the person that went with you. Oh, yeah. I brought- you said earlier in the discussion that he he didn't know a lot going in. What was his opinion on the quality of speakers or at least uh, if if they weren't good like entertaining speakers or engaging speakers, was there at least any relevant info? Uh, I'm sure there was, there was plenty of relevant info. Was there anything that you – or him were like, oh, that's not – that's interesting or okay, that's something. He got a water bottle. He, he – no, like so we went to a couple of different uh, – went to a couple of different booths and like checked out what they were about. And these – there was like a lawyer that had nothing to do with cryptocurrency. There was just a lawyer that was at this conference. Um, that We went to – there was a uh, – the big conference sponsor was like a oh. cryptocurrency hedge fund. Uh, so we tried to check that out. They, um, you know, I never got really talked to anybody. So the whole time, Charlie didn't clearly like the speakers cause he fell asleep, but 
we, he was like, look, we're here. Like, let's uh, let's go talk to these booths. Let's talk to these people. And eventually okay, so I'm, I'm going to stop you there. So based on the story you've told so far, I'm surprised that you didn't take it upon yourself to just go on a grand adventure through these vendors and just to entertain yourself, if nothing else, to just like maybe find a shit coin in there that like you could actually shit on, like to amuse yourself. That I feel like that's is something you would do. A hundred percent what I should have done. What ended up happening was I was so disappointed by everything I was seeing. I was like, this is a blockchain conference that I was like, look, let's go eat. There was uh, – I found a sweet little place that was like around the corner. I'm like, we're going to go there. We're going to eat and then we're going to go back. What was the Yelp reviews? Uh, they were, I didn't check Yelp. It's Google. Come on. Google now. Google now because Yelp, y- you can pay to get rid of bad reviews. So I always check Google and uh, it was just like a 4.7. It was, it, they had the best fried rice I've ever had anywhere. Wow. It was it was really good. It was called uh, KYUQ and it was, it was great. And uh, so we went there. We went back. And I, I don't know if, like, everybody came there at night or something. This is, like, noon, 1230, but it was just dead. And so eventually I was like, all right, well, there's nobody here. There's nothing I'm interested in seeing. I didn't think about the angle of going around and just, like, trying to find somebody to, like, shit all over. I should have done that. And instead, uh, we walked away with a water bottle. So that was uh, it's kind of a bust. <laughs> no, I, I understand where you're coming from, too, especially when, you know, we want to – you know, make progress on the podcast. We want to make progress in this industry. You know, we got in this because we care and we want to see the future grow and we want to see it organically kind of develop. And, you know, this was an opportunity for you to be like, Ooh, let's see how far we've come. And, and you're, you're given another reminder, like how much time we really have for mass adoption, in my opinion. Yeah. Or, or I'm given a reminder of like a remnant of the, the like moon day, you know, the moon period back in January, where this conference was – it was $2,000 to go to this conference like on their website. It was – All right. I, I've mentioned a similar concept before and I think it applies here. Like <clears throat> the idea of what it would organizationally take to organize a blockchain conference to get relevant people of status in the community. To me, it sounds like such a huge undertaking that I feel like it's very easy for relevant people to mess this up. And if – this was their first conference. I don't know if this was something they do regularly or what, but if it were an early on, you know, conference, then unfortunately, I feel like it's most of them are probably going to be bust the first one or two that they organize while trying to figure it out. Yeah. So I, you know what? I, I'm hoping that the next one that we go to is better. One thing that I did decide after watching about three or four of the speakers is that I need to be sending a resume to these conferences and saying, Hey, I'll come speak. Because yeah, that's that's the exact point I was trying to make earlier, and is that one of the reasons I think that we are successful is that we are just decent communicators. We don't mind going off the handles. We don't mind getting off topic. We don't mind communicating whatever it is that we feel like communicating it because we've done that with each other for so long that you know we have a rapport that is often difficult for an audience to be able to look in on. And you know if they have speakers that are not engaging and not entertaining. Then yeah, like Charlie didn't go there planning to go to sleep. I bet he was really embarrassed that he did that. <laughs> and you know, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, but the fact is you can't run that risk if you're charging two thousand a ticket that you're boring people to death. Like I pay somebody else to speak that's entertaining. Like it, it can't be that much. Yeah. I'll I'll sit in as a proxy for any of these people for a very reasonable amount of money. Yeah. Yep. So that's I don't really know how to get involved in the speaking circuit, so to speak, but I promise you i w- people would not have been falling asleep when i was talking There's a huge need for that there really is yep. so and you know with the with the growing podcast industry you know i believe that the long form debate long form communication is g- going to continue to grow and gain more respect over time and you know these conferences i bet are going to be continuing to pop up in greater numbers on a variety of topics not just cryptocurrency but other things as well yeah so hey if you're out there and you uh you know you know of a conference Try me out. Try me out. I think – or us. All of us will come. <laughs> we can even get Kareem, I bet. You guys were working with Charlie on trying to do some presentations in crypto, right? What ended up happening with that? Uh, crypto crashed. I, we, 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 we did one presentation or we, we didn't even do it. We, we, we were going to do it. Everything was ready, but nobody had signed up for it. And then the day – that it was supposed to be like eight people showed up, even though they didn't sign up. So it was like, eh, maybe we should, maybe we should have had that going through. But 
then crypto tanked and nobody was interested anymore. The website's down, I think. It it was called the DCI exchange, but but hey. Well, may, maybe that can come back at a later point. You guys got a little more experience on what the competition looks like. Uh, <laughs> we haven't even got out of the announcement section yet. Yeah. So uh, apparently the na- the Nano Ledger's on sale. Yeah, I noticed this when I was uh, when I was on Reddit. This is this is kind of self serving because I think we still get a kickback if you click our link. But the Ledger Nano is twenty percent off, and I've never actually seen it on sale. So that's uh, it makes it eighty dollars instead of a hundred, I guess. Plus whatever the shipping is. So if you're still thinking about buying a Ledger Nano, I think it, it was a total of six days it was on sale. Use our link. It's in the show notes. It's a little picture on the website. It's like the only thing we've ever gotten money out of for the podcast. So go ahead, <laughs> go down there and check it out. Wait, I thought I thought we didn't get the money yet because we had to sell like ten of them before they. Well, passed. okay. It's the only thing that, in theory, once enough people buy it, we'll get <laughs> yeah, money we from. We haven't even got the money yet. Yeah. We just we have some credits with, <laughs> with Ledger that hopefully will be a, a gift card someday or something. Yeah, it's got no. They give to you in Bitcoin once you get enough. They're doing it right. Yeah. So ideally, we get it when the market's down. Then we get more Bitcoin. All right, let's let's head over to the news section. Uh, I, I found a little article discussing how Fidelity is getting more heavily involved in crypto. Wait, this was a- I want to stop you real quick. That this fucking article. <laughs> if you look at the top post of the week for like the different Reddits, I must have seen this article minimum eight times between the different. It was just the top of every subreddit. It was all over the place. But continue. This this is a ridiculous. There was so much. Okay, so I I don't have my Reddit as organized as yours. I don't follow at quite as many crypto projects probably or just different crypto uh, communities. It was actually interesting. I found a second article on this that brought up something like kind of interesting. It's separate though, but we're, we're going to get to that. So uh, this was dropped off in our um, flagship suggestions um, category in our Discord server. You can join the Discord in the show notes. Uh, the big kahuna dropped this off, a regular contributor of ours. We appreciate it. And the title was fairly rolls out crypto company. And this is interesting. The, the subtitle tilted me pretty hard and it says crypto's latest step out of the depths of subreddits and into the spotlight of big finance. <laughs> like that makes me cringe, man. Like who cares? They were just like, you don't need to like if people are reading this for the first time and cause they see the name fidelity. They don't want, like, I don't want them to, to think that all crypto users are, are like internet trolls. Like, that's yeah. a really ridiculous thing to say. I, I agree, but also it was on the top of every subreddit. So <laughs> they're not yeah, wrong. Okay. Maybe that was a marketing ploy that I wasn't ready for. That's, that seems, that seems like a reasonable tilt there. But anyway, let's get to actual article. Fidelity is, um, creating a separate company that's going to work in conjunction with Fidelity and it's going to be Fidelity Digital Asset Services. FDAS. The intentions are to primarily be the custody for digital assets, um, starting off with Bitcoin and Ethereum. They're going to be able to buy, sell, and hold it for people such as hedge funds, family offices, and institutions. Your thoughts, Brent? Well, first, one thing I thought was cool is they're calling it the block. See, I never noticed that. What what is like is that's just the title of the business? Yeah, they're they're gonna refer to that little that arm as the block. I have a That's a really interesting like abbreviation of a popular word. Like that, it, there's not many that usually they try to initial them or something to make like an acronym. That's kind of an interesting way to to market it. And also it's got a special place in my heart because there's this play there's this area of Baltimore that they basically do not give a shit what happens. Like it's they, it's like an unofficial uh red light district like a just if you've ever seen The Wire, they did this thing called Hamsterdam in The Wire where crime is legal. And it's almost basically a real thing. It's an area called The Block in Baltimore. And if you go there, there's just like anything goes. It's kind of crazy. So anyway, random throw throwback to The Block there in Baltimore. And that as – yeah, I'm I like it. Cool I'm, I'm fascinated by that story because the idea of anything going sounds really funny to make you a part of. But at the same time, it's really intimidating. I feel like the fact that anything goes would be a big reason for you not to go. Yeah, yeah. The, the fact that anything goes in West Baltimore was definitely intimidating. <laughs> right, I would not right. go there without More a guide. because it's in Baltimore. I thought that was something you would end up avoiding. Yeah. Or I, I did not go to the less. block. I only knew about it. I did not go there. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> um, and the other interesting thing is you talked about this was good for clients of hedge funds. 
Uh, I think this morning or last night, they actually announced that uh, Galaxy Digital, which is Mike Novogratz's hedge fund, it became their first client already. So, who is this guy? Um, Mike Novogratz, just like a a billionaire, just like kind of famous dude. I don't know. Like, I just know his name from finance. I'm very unfamiliar with a lot of the rich billionaires. So, um, <laughs> but hey, rich billionaires uh, need their money held in custody too. So, you know, obviously that becomes a big uh, a win for them. Yeah, yeah, I, that's exactly who they're targeting, right? Right. So, more about the actual article. There was. Not that much really useful info I found. The only like kind of like statistic type tidbit that I found, and I actually found these same numbers in another place, but I, I couldn't quite get the source of the info. But basically, I didn't realize that Fidelity is the fifth largest asset manager in the entire world mm-hmm. with a certain amount of money under management and a certain amount of institutional clients. So Brent, this is just a little game I wanted to play. What do you think the fifth largest asset manager in the world I manages? I unfortunately know the answer because I found Fuck. this. It was $72 billion. Or, or actually, no, wait. It was trillion, wasn't it? $7.2 trillion. Yeah, that's yeah, what it was. It, it was, was $7.2 trillion, which that, that's a lot of money yeah. to be managing. And uh, did you catch how many institutional clients no. they have? Do you have a guess off the top of your head? Uh, I, I feel like that number is probably – Smallish, uh, like I don't know, like a hundred, thirteen thousand. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> I thought you were going the other way with like they all had like so much money each. Uh, whoops, whoopsie. Well, that's why we play the games, right? Because <laughs> you never know where we're gonna go with it. So in, and then the other article I found that brought an interesting twist to this story was that. Fidelity had mentioned that they've been keeping a close eye on Bitcoin for close to five years, and they've been mining Bitcoin since 2015. Mm-hmm. Which it, let's let's just rewind three years and let's like we have a friend uh, that worked in the traditional financial world, Pete Walsworth. We interviewed him on this show. Imagine if Pete tried to sell his company at the time on this idea, and instead of doing that, said, "You know what, guys." I don't want you to buy the Bitcoin. Let's just go get it. Let's earn it. Let's spend some money. Um, and then even if this ends up being a bust, we'll still have the computer equipment left over and maybe that'll be useful at some point. You know, let's just buy some stuff and mine it and then we can sell it down the line. If it grows in value, great. If it doesn't, you know, we, we lost the investment of the equipment. I find that particularly interesting, particularly of a client the size of Fidelity and what, you know, they could do. Mining wise with pro with, you know, not that much of their resources. Yeah, they have a, they have, they've had a trading desk too. I'm pretty sure you can just buy Bitcoin in your Fidelity account right now as it is. So they've, they've been very crypto friendly. And yeah, at, I'm proud to be a Fidelity cu- customer because of the, uh, because of how they appear to be ahead of the curve. And their checking account is, has for the longest time been one of my favorites because no ATM fees, no overdraft fees, no nothing. It just works. Exactly like you would want it to work. All right. Let's go ahead and move on. Uh, we've had a lot of issues with Tether popping up in the news. Uh, it's something we've Uh-oh. been warning listeners about for a very long time. I don't know that the end is here, but it's a lot closer than it was two weeks ago. Look, we saw this in one of our Telegram chats. I can't remember who said this, but it was the best thing I'd seen about Tether so far. Tether's only fucking job is to be a dollar. And it does not do that job any longer. Like it, it does not. It so so this started happening about a week ago. Um, it got real bad, I think, on like Monday. But about a week ago, you noticed that the dollar and tether were uncoup- uncoupled. Like they were not exactly the same anymore. And the reason you knew that was because the other stable coins were staying at a dollar. Something like True USD or or the Maker Die were staying at a dollar, but tether was at ninety eight cents. 97 cents. Um, Tether flew way down. There were, it got to 92 cents that I saw on coincap.io. And uh, as a consequence, all of the coins that are paired with Tether on all the other exchanges got a little bit of a bump because people were clearly selling off Tether. Now, they, this was all from some fake news, actually. Now, that's not to defend Tether in any way. We still think it's a shit project. Um, it, it is very likely that they do not have the funds and you can check out our basic blitz on tether or damn near any other episode where we've ever mentioned the word tether. And just to get our, get our thoughts on that. I re I tweeted out our t- 
tether basic blitz episode on monday just to kind of be like i told you so (laughs) but uh it there was a there was some fake news about binance delisting tether somebody put out like a really shitty looking fake email where they were like it, it was so obvious that it was fake but the out media outlets took it and ran with it and really did cause a little bit of a panic now uh cz actually went as far as tweeting out first he said too much fud and then later he tweeted this out he said waiting for more people to take advantage of this arbitrage opportunity i.e buy more packs or TUSD using fiat it will bring the price back in line and increase the total supply uh he was replying to somebody who or I, about like why don't they just switch to TUSD as their main thing and he said we can't open a market for a stablecoin that only has 24 million dollar market cap so uh, he you know i we've definitely ragged on companies like Binance for not either guaranteeing tether or moving away from it and it does make sense like if the market is still using it and that is the one with the highest market cap. It makes it theoretically the most stable on their end. So they need to have that as the pair. But it has not recovered. It is still. What is PAX? Uh, I don't know. I, hmm. I wonder if that's another stable coin that I don't know about. I apologize to the PAX community in advance. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry, PAXers. <laughs> um, anyway, they, Binance is not delisting Tether anytime soon. Uh, and there was some other stuff that went down with this, like Bitfinex had suspended fiat deposits last week and that contributed to this problem um i know they lost their banking partner so and they had to switch to hsbc but hsbc hasn't fully taken over yet i guess so bifinex suspended fiat deposits kucoin suspended both uh deposits and withdrawals of tether and um you know basically we we just ended up with the market one of the sorry, I'm I'm kind of all over the place here. One of the arguments for tether is not a scam. One of the arguments that you know a guy Doug Polk who generally says things that we agree with, he wasn't really big on tether being a problem. He's like, look, guys, if if tether was a problem, it wouldn't trade at a dollar. It would trade at a different value because the market clearly believes that tether is worth a dollar. Tether is no longer trading at one dollar. It is it it. it since Monday, it has slightly recovered. When I woke up this morning, it was at 97 cents. It was at 96 cents most of the day yesterday. It is no longer trading at a dollar. So, um, you know, do do with that what you will. So that the main argument of the market still believes it's a dollar is not holding true anymore. There is a premium, a risk premium on owning Tether now. So be very, very careful. And maybe your stable coin should be Bitcoin. <laughs> All right. So... I ran across something um, very shortly before we went on air. So I didn't have time to give it the proper, you know, full vetting. However, this is an attachment to your story that I think is extremely interesting. Bitfinex uh, released a blog two days ago. Today is Thursday. So this was Tuesday afternoon. Um, they released a blog basically saying they've you know how we reported about how they've had banking issues and they've been switching from banks and having a lot of issues with that. Now, Bitfinex is entering full tilt poker territory, and this is the exact reason why. Their blog that they launched on Tuesday was called Improved Fiat Deposit System, a Distributed Banking Solution. Okay. Today, we are introducing a new, improved, increasing resilient fiat depositing system for sending fiat to Bitfinex. Uh, we will allow all the KYC verified users from around the world to initiate deposits in USD, uh, uh, British pounds, Japanese euros, and whatnot. So now th- they give uh, three steps about how this works. A user wishing to initiate a fiat deposit in Bitfinex will create a deposit request to signal interest in completing a deposit. Someone else picks up the deposit and basically then redeposits it into Bitfinex. And that creates a ton of problems. It's just blatant money laundering, in my opinion. Wow. And like just overwhelmingly like not how this is gonna need to work out long term. Maybe they're opinion. doing it in some way that's not like I don't this you're right. That does sound exactly like what the what the online poker sites are doing. What they were doing is they would just 
charge they was some other company that made t-shirts or golf balls or whatever would take your money and then I, I remember on the distinctly getting a a cash out from full tilt in my bank account from golf hut in the amount of like you know a large amount of money for my age at the t- at the time <laughs> like it, they would just pick random shell companies that they probably had in random islands across the world and they would just refund your money through that and just hope nobody looked into it yeah that Bit, look, th- nothing is making me any happier about Tether. Just a reminder, they still don't have a fucking audit. They have a fake audit. They have this audit that they put out that it, and people are going to yell at me for saying fake audit. But it is not an audit. They put it out and they're like, hey, there's a Tether report. And it says right on there, this is not an audit. It was just a piece of paper that a lawyer that was already employed by them before they asked them to write this paper said, yes, they have the money on this specific day at this specific time in this specific bank account. So... There's lawyers speak all over the place. They've definitely removed themselves from any liability if something goes wrong there. They have not had an official audit. Nobody knows if that money is there. And it is it is going to continue to be a point of problem. There are so many better options out there. When we did our Stablecoins 101 episode, basically every coin was strictly better than Tether. But Tether just happens to be the one that everybody's using. Uh, I had one thought for Binance. And that is if there are alternate stable coins that you'd rather use instead of Tether, then what I would do is I would create a trading pair for those stable coins and Tether and take off the trading fees. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if there is a Tether TUSD pair. That would be interesting. Uh, I'm If there is, that, yeah, just it, whatever. Again, I would just love for an exchange. Just create it. Just oh, Let's just say um, – so my thoughts are on a company like Binance, if you're housing stable coins and you can't back them yourself, I think that's a pretty big liability mm-hmm. unless you can very comfortably trust the source they're coming from. Binance is basically, you know, CZ is basically saying he's not taking a stance on whether or not it can be trusted. He's all he's saying in this tweet that, you know, we read here was that if we only have $24 million in, in stable coins total, that's not even on Binance. The total market cap for these stable coins is $24 million. Then we can't create markets for that. So if you want to create markets for that, you have to create a small incentive mechanism to convince people that something is better than Tether. They need to have a reason that something is an improvement in order to make a drastic switch. This is something that seems obvious to me. Had a Charlie moment there. <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, they they need to do small little incentives that move the community away from Tether. Exchanges have this responsibility. If they're not going to guarantee this stuff, then they need to do the right thing. Like if we're not that we're not that knowledgeable, we can see from our vantage point that there is a very distinct possibility that people are going to be left on the hook. So. Let's pretend that there's no issues with Tether at all. Let's just pretend that it is fine in your Binance. Why would you rather have that over other options? Yeah. At this point, it's strictly inferior. And the fact that there's legitimate concern through the entire, you know, industry that that's a negative. Like that's something that is just as bad as having a bad employee. It's just run. It's just making poor business decisions. Yep. There they need to, they need to fix that. And until, until they do stop touching tether, get it. Don't leave your money in tether. I saw one post by a user saying when the, he was locked out of his Binance account. Tether was crashing. All his money was in Tether. He's like, oh, my God, my, what am I going to do? And yeah, it's bad. I mean, maybe it restabilizes and it ends up saving him money. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he might have panic sold. And t- maybe, hey, maybe if he had enough uh, Tether, he would have crashed it even more. You never know. He could have. The fact that he didn't have access to his Binance account may have saved the entirety of Tether. Sure. I wonder what the number is where Tether just like. Like, I don't know what number it is that when it gets that low, people are just all out. But I'm surprised it hit 90. Like, I I mean, I haven't really checked it recently, but like 92 cents is pretty low for stablecoin. Let's check. All right. Let's give a live look in at 11 a.m. on Thursday, Eastern Standard Time. Tether, 97 cents. Yeah. Are you, which site are you looking at? Uh, coin market cap, just because for some reason everybody was saying coin market cap was valuing it wrong. For I don't know, like I, it, maybe they fixed it. I'm sure they are, but <laughs> it is what it is. I, I saw people talking about seeing trades on different sites where it was trading at like 50 cents and like all this. Well, here's the thing: 
there is probably not a lot of volume on a lot of these sites. So it, let's just pretend there's like a random like Litecoin tether pair on a really small exchange with not a lot of volume. There's going to be buy and sell orders on both sides. And if you're giving – if tether is swinging 10 cents in the negative, you could get some really good buys. I mean if you had tether, but don't have tether so you don't have this issue. <laughs> All right. Yep. Fuck tether. <laughs> We don't like it. It needs to go crawl into a hole and die and stop being a part of the crypto community. So let's move on to a coin that we've not, we have not done a one-on-one on that we probably should do one on soon called Decred. Yes, uh, I agree. We probably should move this up higher in our future coin recordings. It's been requested. Um, but this article is pretty interesting because we've had some – we'll get into some foundation issues later in this episode. But <laughs> uh, Decred – I don't know if it's Decred or Decreed. I'm going to assume Decred. There's only one. Uh, I think it's Decred. Yeah. I like Decred better. I don't know why. <laughs> we'll save that for the uh, rapid fire section. <laughs> um, Decred is turning its entire treasury, which is currently valued at around $21 million, over to all the investors. This is going to be an interesting experiment, I believe. And the article kind of began with painting a narrative of 2017 being the year for fundraising of decentralized protocols. I'm not really sure where that narrative is coming from. And 2018 is emerging as empowering the investors. Um, so that's what <laughs> they're trying to lead off this article by saying. I, which I get what I they're saying know. a little bit because like think about all the money that ICOs raised and then like didn't do anything with. So – uh, maybe saying like the companies that do actually give back and and get, make good on their word maybe the the leading companies coming out of the end of the year or the coins sorry all right Brett I'm gonna highlight something for you here and I want your best attempt at pronouncing it ooh uh, Polidia all right um, I I could see Polidia or Polidia I'm not really sure maybe maybe yours a little more than mine but anyways that's the name of the software that uh, Decred is they launched and it's part of their overall decentralized model. So what is it doing exactly? Well, it uses the consensus mechanism of Decred, which is a currently a split proof of work and proof of stake. And it is turning over all the governance decisions over to the proof of stake token holders. And they are able to vote on any of the proposals or operations of the protocol during the time where the vote is needed to be to be made. So the project lead is named. Can you uh, get that for me, Brent? Wow, uh, Jake, <laughs> I got that one. <laughs> yeah, Yokom Piat. All right, that's pretty good. Yokom Pat Piat. I don't know. That's pretty close. Uh, so he has a quote that honestly made me really interested in doing the one-on-one on this. He basically said that this software is going to be an extremely powerful tool. If it is used properly for what it's capable of, but if used unwisely, it could definitely lead to a variety of problems, which is something we've thought about. And I feel like not enough crypto project leaders are willing to admit that. Like being willing to admit that there's a chance this could fuck up makes me want to trust it more. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So the proof of stake is going to allow people to vote on the proposals. Like I said, currently it's estimated about 570,000 decred is in that treasury. And, you know, I believe it's going to function similar to the other treasuries we've seen. It wouldn't surprise me if this coin ends up being a fork of something we've already covered. Yeah, we um, haven't done you know, the maybe- research on this. We're just talking about this article here this may be a dash fork it sounds similar to dash yeah yeah, yeah. that's what i'm saying is like it wouldn't shock me if this is a pivx or a dash fork or a bitcoin fork or just something along those lines they do include the model that the treasury is given a piece of each block so the treasury is constantly growing we've considered that as an overall pro in the past and um i'm curious to see how other ones have worked out there's it'd be an interesting use case to actually go through something like Dash and Pivx and even Smart Cash and see what their proposals have been like and see what see if there's been some consistency long term with that. The 
project lead Jake actually gives himself a kill switch over all the expenditures on the network, which that was the exact same yeah, reaction what? I had. However, uh, his veto powers will be revoked within six to 12 months when all of the treasury funds move away from the decreed holdings group LLC into the smart contract. Okay. So it, it sounds like he does what a lot of the projects have used. And that's basically, Hey, we need to kill switch for a little while just to make sure that this just doesn't fuck up too yeah, early. We talked with Rob and about once that. We build stability in the network. It's going to be a lot easier to keep afloat. We talked with Rob about that. That was, that was something they originally had for the, the Zen um, thought. They don't have their doubt yet, but with, when they were going to do it, they were going to have the veto power. And uh, we asked him about that. I was like, so, He's like, look, here's our thought behind that. We didn't want them like sponsoring a UFC fight for no reason. And then all the money's gone. But I will tell you that we've already eliminated that. So that is, you know, he. Correct. And that's why, you know, I tried to word that as a sense that it's a kill switch. But, you know, these project leads understand that this is like a nuclear option that would be really bad for them. But until there's enough stability in the network, I think it's fine to have a kill switch involved. Yeah, especially if they are set to be revoked automatically and he can't do anything about that. If that's built into the code, that's cool. One of his uh, one of his quotes also, he was, this article was with Coindesk. He basically said that once a smart contract will – once it replaces the, the LLC as the – and as the holder of these treasury funds, there's going to be no legal target to, to attack with sanctions, penalties, or like lawsuits from, you know, stakeholder backed actions. You know, he's, he's interested to see how this is all going to play out. Um, some of the other dangers that he mentioned could include internal conflicts of interest, which I think we're going to cover in the next article. Uh, permanent commitments on money. That's what you referenced with the UFC. Like sponsoring a UFC fight could technically be a good idea to some people, but the amount of money it would cost would likely end up being a really poor decision to the rest of the community. And the other one is turning over the authority to elected officials. I, I don't know. I just see, you know, without this, there's more reliant on a government and a lot of issues could come from it. I'm interested to see where this plays out. Yep, I I'm also interested in submitting a proposal to get a <laughs> get a little bit of decred for a 101 episode. Full disclosure, we'll probably do it anyways, but hey, we'll take our shot where we can get it. If you didn't see this, uh, I'm happy you you found that. So wait, see what? <laughs> the thing I just oh, <laughs> That's what that meant. I was like, "What?" He skipped it. So I was like, "I don't know what he means." <laughs> I was hoping you'd find it organically. That was uh-huh. great. All right. So the, in this article, they also reference a Nick Zabito tweet. Um, he is the longtime heavy blockchain representative. Also probably He's Satoshi. Probably Satoshi. <laughs> I was going to get to that. He is uh, one of the most respected people in the space. And the, and I'm curious on what your thoughts on this tweet are because I only get about half of it. Uh, but I feel like the audience would appreciate it. And his, his tweet is basically – Blockchain governance generally comes in only three varieties. Lord of the Flies, which I don't really know what that means. Lawyers and ruthlessly minimized. And I'm not sure what he means well, by that. So ruthlessly Brent, minimized is like Bitcoin, right? Like they, they can only really – the governance is do we, do we fork the chain or do we not fork the chain? Yeah, there's just not much you can do right. with it. So that's their, okay. that's their governance basically. Um, lawyers is, you know, fucking lawyers and – uh, Lord of the Flies is like a, basically like a complete anarchy island that's every man for himself and everybody's killing everybody and all that stuff. So like seasteading? I, I guess. I don't know. So I, chaos is implied in Lord of the Flies. So gotcha. um, I, I would not expect Satoshi to be too happy about on-chain governance So or, or Nick uh, to be too happy about that. It is the thing that excites me the most. Because I think that the transparency required for on-chain governance is what we need in the future. So, all right, it's uh, it's something we've been excited to dive in a little bit. I wish Kareem was here to help us out, but I'm sure this is not the end of the story, Brian. It may not be. There's been some drama over at Cardano, something we a project that we've pretty adamantly backed, but. At Crypto Basic, we always discuss both sides to the best of our ability. Brent, 
what is going on? So unless I'm missing something because of the different spin that it's being put on and because I do have a bias towards liking what Charles has to say and things, this really feels like a good thing that's happening out of a bad decision that they made. <laughs> My instinct was the exact same thing, but I felt like it was biased. Yeah, no, that. I, I, that's why I'm saying it's, it, it is biased. This is one of the coins we feel very strongly about. So take, do your own research here. But basically, the way Cardano is set up right now, because Cardano is eventually going to be completely decentralized. It's going to have its own DAO. They're working on all of those things, but it's not, it's not there yet. It's not ready yet. So they are still in the like kind of peer review phase and, they had set it up as like a federated coin before that. So they distributed their original ADA funds between the between IOHK, which is input output Hong Kong, which is uh, led by Charles Hoskinson, Emergo, which is led by Ken Kadama, and then the Cardano Foundation. And the Cardano Foundation originally had a board of four members that was con- that consisted of Michael Parsons, uh, his son-in-law. Uh, and a third owner that I didn't get the or a third person I didn't get the name of, and then the required fourth member of a a, a Swiss citizen that oversees the foundation. So w- what happened is eventually the the son-in-law was he resigned and he started working as the CEO of the company uh, of the foundation. Uh, the third person resigned for some dumb reason, and that left only Michael Parsons. And the required person that he needed to have on the board. So essentially, he has created the board being consisting of 100% himself. And originally, when they created it, it was supposed to go in the other direction. Like, they were supposed to be getting more diversity on the board. The way the way Charles described it, he said that there should have been somebody basically from every major uh, section of the world. There should have been somebody from Japan, China. There should have been somebody from Africa. There should have been somebody from North America. There should have been somebody from South America. Like, that kind of thing. All working on the board. All working together to try and... To, to try and make Cardano work. Well, apparently the foundation has done like nothing. There, there is, they didn't even like put out a tweet when Cardano was a year old. So they've basically gotten control of these funds and don't give a shit. And they're going through, um, they were doing something with some institutional investing platform. But, uh, yeah, so th- uh, there's a link in the show notes to the, to the open letter to the car, to the Cardano community and the community at large. But basically, Charles and Ken put out this letter saying, look, there, here's all his drama. This guy, he's he's got his uh, son-in-law as the CEO. I think his wife was doing something also. And he's not controlling the foundation right now. We set it up like this so that if something like this happened, we wouldn't be screwed. They have some funds, but they don't have anywhere near all the funds. So we're, what they said is IOHK and, uh, and Emergo are going to assume all the responsibilities of the foundation that the foundation is not doing. And they're like, they can do whatever the fuck they want. Like we can't stop them, but we are going to continue to run Cardano in the way that it's supposed to be run. The Cardano foundation has absolutely no authority say, or part of this anymore. And we encourage Parsons to step down so that we can actually create that board the way it's supposed to be. And then I think in the background, they're going to do whatever legal action they need to do against the, uh, foundation to try and get the money back but for now he said as far as as far as production is concerned there is the roadmap is not going to change there is nothing else that's going to change as far as the end user is concerned nothing was happening with the foundation anyways so they're just going to keep going forward as if it doesn't exist and the end user shouldn't actually see any problems so all right so the one thing that stood out to me as a huge win here and and this is you know i alluded to this earlier Remember when Horizon had their 51% attack and we, and we asked Rob to come on the show and discuss those types of things. And then we realized how much detail went in behind the scenes to make sure that a situation as severe as a 51% attack on the network was well calculated, well executed and well understood. This situation reminds me a lot of that in the sense that, you know, it, there's so much game theory here and it's very subtle, but I like it. It's, you know, they created a triangle with the understanding that the triangle could, you know, be disrupted at some point. And if there isn't some understandings, there isn't agreements from the other two sides, then they're able to say, okay, well, this is what we expect and this is what we would like. 
you know, now it's your time to put up and do those things. And if you don't, then you've left us no choice. So after a significant amount of time discussing that behind the scenes, you know, the fact that they were able to say, yeah, well, we've, we've did everything we could, but we're just going to just start doing his job too. That is understandable. It's, it's good design. And I'm glad that they had considered this already. I don't know. I, I just, I see this being super annoying for them and I, I see this hindering their development, but not as much as most projects would just because, you know, there is multiple entities here. I, IOHK has the responsibility of multiple crypto projects, not just Cardano. So in order to stay unbiased towards Cardano, they have to make sure they keep this overall view of what needs to happen. I respect this and I don't see this as a, as a major loss. Right. And also they said they're fully funded. They're, they're not even like only working on two thirds of the money. They're like, we have all the money we need for everything. We're good. Uh, there's nothing that's going to come here. There's, there was some back and forth between the Tezos community and Charles, I guess, cause like Tezos had a serious issue with their foundation. <clears throat> Again, we haven't done the research on that, but if I understand it right, they basically like handed all their money to like a person in like the Cayman Islands and they were just like, eh, fuck and took it so um and and they and they jazzed charles he's like what are you talking about we still have all the money and we have we thought about this that's why we have three instead of one so you know i don't know what happens with two instead of one if iohk and emergo start ditching each other but for for now i would assume they're probably going to work on some other way to establish a new foundation to create this dynamic again uh and oh yeah fun little fact there has been an announcement of an announcement on Binance. Oh, I, I saw this and I'm so confused. It's just – it seems unlike both. Yeah, it, it's it's an announcement of an announcement on Binance. Something is happening with Cardano and their decentralized exchange. They they mentioned decentralized yeah, exchange. Yeah, uh, uh, they mentioned the – whatever, the project. I don't know. It's an announcement. Okay, so this is kind of interesting. Just, it, it's interesting PR that th- I think they came out with it for two people who are not really big on announcements of announcements because of this. They're both under fire right now. They're both like in the crosshairs. Yeah. So it it's interesting. I, I'll I'm excited to see it. I'm so tantalized. I certainly want Cardano and Binance to make a decentralized exchange like that. Uh, I'm gonna go right out and say yeah. yes. Can we make that Let's happen? Let's do it. All right, that, that's it for that. Uh, maybe we'll do an update on Cardano in the future and talk about all the other things that have changed there. Maybe when they get around to like closer to 2.0 or, or Shelly or something like that. But um, that's that's what we got as far as the drama. And, you know, we like that drama. So the the other side of the IOHK coin here, our, our buddy Anthony from Ethereum Classic dropped by the Discord the other day. Uh, I loaded this up. I went out of my way to tell him, man, this is really elegant. It's a very clean website. Things are looking really solid from the ETC perspective. What, how did you? Yeah, it was cool. It? I I just he popped this in there, and I wanted to share w- what it was with the listeners. EtheriumClassic.org/slash/powered buy etc but with a dash in between powered and buy and it is a obviously link in show notes it is just a list of the d of the d apps that are working and and functioning on the ethereum classic blockchain because a lot of times people think about them as like the oh they're just what ethereum used to be but nobody uses them anymore like no we have d apps on there i pulled a few of them out just to talk about them real quick i'm just you know kind of rapid fire it but there is original my there it's documents on the blockchain and also stakeholder voting is what they're moving into uh stampery is a data certification service portal network uh allows you to change your 0x bloody bloody bloskies into like real names like easy names and you can like register them with them kind of like you could register a website where website's name is actually a bunch of uh you know address numbers and stuff um dap direct which is a it has statistics about all of the other ethereum classic smart contracts such as like uh if there were the gaming payouts and the participation and stuff like that you can go check out all the statistics of all those smart contracts coin game is a sports betting platform that you can use and radex is a decentralized exchange and they're also ethereum uh decentralized exchange too so you can go on there and check that out there's i only mentioned some of the ones that were complete there's more that are complete and there's some that are in between they have the red the yellow and the green the red is like they're deployed but they're not working yet i guess or something similar the yellow is like they're functioning but they're not fully functional and then the green is fully functional 
I'm paraphrasing that. I should have looked at that, but you get the idea. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was totally fine. And what I love about this is that we've talked a lot about, you know, Cardano is a great example. We, we know that Cardano is not going to be ready for a long time to even like become a full functioning project. Ethereum Classic has been around for a long time. It, you know, they, they have a lot of the same ties community that Ethereum has. They just kind of split the community and, you know, it's, it's current like market cap is way lower, but obviously we don't care much about price. I care more about the people, the team, the projects, you know, how, how secure everything's moving. The fact that they have this many, you know, D apps that they're just like, Hey, these are things that we trust. These are part of our network. This is all how we're, how we're flowing. I really liked and respect yeah, that. And remember things that you use already today, you don't know when you go to a website, you don't know what language it's written in. You, you don't know which like server it's resting on. You don't know when you're playing a video game if it's using the Unreal Engine or not for the most part. I mean like making functionality and making usable things is what is going to lead to the adoption. And eventually you're not going to know whether the thing that you're using is using Ethereum Classic or if it's using Ethereum or if it's using Cardano. You'll only care that it works right. Well, eventually, there may be there may be side chains that help other chains communicate. That might not it, it, you might not even know you're using blockchain. Yeah, in the that, and that's the idea. That's the, eventually, hopefully, you just don't even know you're using any of this stuff. And that is the that is the future we see. Like like it, it, using a modem to do things in 1980s. You knew what you were doing. You had to know how the modem worked. You had to know everything about how the printer worked and like everything like that. You but. Today, you don't. You just log on and uh, you use the same password one, two, three for every site thinking that's cool and go about your business and you're allowed to do that because it works. Mass adoption's a thing. So, Mike, I want to talk about the D. What's super interesting is that this is a story about Vegas and I don't know what the D you is. you never been to the D? Oh, my what God. What is the D? There's, uh, so, I can't remember the name of the investor, but a while ago, a guy started trying to make downtown cool uh, in addition to the guy from Zappos.com, right? Oh, okay. I was gonna. I, I was gonna say. I know you've talked to me about yeah, the Zappos so, guy. So this guy bought a couple of the casinos, and one of them, uh, I think it used to be called the the Vegas. The only Club? downtown bar I remember is uh, Gold Spike. Yeah, that, well, that's a little bit off strip from downtown. But so the D was, I think, the first one of these that got revamped. It's right in the middle of Fremont Street, and they revamped it as the D, and it's got all kinds of like sexual imagery, like. Like girls and you know whatever, like very Vegasy, but they made it look kind of cool inside. But it, I can't. I, um, I think it was called Vegas Club before, or it might have been called the Downtowner or something. I don't remember. It was some shitty casino before. They 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 made it look a little bit cooler inside. Dealers are wearing like trendy stuff. They've got. Oh, it's a casino. I thought no, it was no, like it's a bar. casino. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it is taking Bitcoin. That's why we're talking about it. They they had a big giant. A neon sign out front that said Bitcoin accepted here. So you can go in there and gamble with Bitcoin in some fashion. Um, I'm so like, I've always thought that casinos were an excellent place for mass adoption, but I'm wondering what a random downtown casinos process looks like. I don't like. know. I would love to check it out. I do know that it could be amazing. It could be yeah, awful. Downtown Vegas is getting like really. Um, kind of cool as far as like, yeah, that's, that's, that's why I'm leaving that window open. I feel like there's been a lot more like young, rich investors that are going there. They're trying to repopularize it. I mean, when we were, when we were in our early twenties, downtown was just like, yeah, you would never go there. It was just homeless people and trash and filth, disgust. And, you know, over the years, they realized that you have all this awesome space and all these tourists. They just want nice things and they want to have fun. So they're, you know, making big progress yeah, they, there. They really gentrified downtown Vegas kind of. And they and they also did it in such a way there's a lot of startups. There's a lot of co-working space. There's a lot of stuff like that. So that's the kind of that's the kind of clientele that might get involved in crypto. It's kind of trendy. It's 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 the business like development side of the town, I yeah. would imagine. So if I moved to Vegas, I would live there for sure. There's some there's some great places down there. I mean, I don't see myself moving to Vegas anytime soon, but if I did if I did, I would live down there. Um, also, the D is one of my favorite places to drink in Vegas because they have this. Uh, if you go upstairs at the D, are you playing? No, Pie no, 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 no. They have this. They have this ginormous horse racing machine, and it's like an analog horse racing machine. Oh, I've seen one of these things. It's it's like it looks like a matchbox car yeah. track, and it's all metal. And then the horse just rides on yep. like a stick. 
and they're massive. Oh, and it looks it looks like the rabbit that runs around a greyhound track yep. kind of. And the, and the horses will right. you, you go down, you bet on the horses or whatever. You it's like five cents. 20, a race, twenty-five right, or cents. Or you put in twenty-five cents. Twenty-five. Start cents to finish. Race, this right. whole thing takes like two and a half minutes or something. Three minutes, right? <laughs> and and meanwhile, they're serving you free drinks. So you're just like putting a quarter in every now and then, placing your horse. They're and you could just bet your friends, right? Like you and I could just bet a twenty on. Yeah, yeah if you wanted, sure. If you didn't want to take the take the vig, uh, you pick on which. But there's different odds and stuff. Like each horse is like a different. Oh, there's odds. I thought ah. it was just like an arcade game. No, you no, no, just no. Like the horses race. Like there's. Oh, I thought I thought fifty cents was nope, just a. There's fee. like two hundred to one. You get you get yeah. your money back. Yeah, it's what? great. It's the best way to drink. In like if you don't need to be like watching TV or like li- drink listen to music, three or four of you can go down go up there, get on that thing, and then just start like making a bunch of noise and and drinking a bunch of beers. And it has to be quarters. You have to literally come with a roll of quarters. There's no like change machine or anything anywhere. So I'm I'm curious your 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 uh, thoughts here. I feel like casinos are in trouble unless they allow phones to be more allowed. I mean I don't know like I know why they don't let phones be allowed, but the no, I agree too. You can use it at the stupid horse machine. <laughs> for, well, I, that's that was for damn sure. I was like, I've oh, got man. video of me at that thing. I'm sure you do. All right, Brent, it's rant time. What uh, happened? So I I didn't know where else to put this, but that 310 Bitcoin puzzle that we talked about last week or the week before, maybe. It was last it, week. Yeah, somebody solved it already. Uh, you know, there was basically no, not a whole lot of publicity gained from the person that put it out, and I'm still. You know, the the most obvious thing to me is this guy solved his own puzzles because the 310 Bitcoin part was solved before the 0.31 Bitcoin part was solved. So, all right. So my problem is, I I think you're probably right. I, I think there's a I have no evidence me that's like that. Eh, that seems reasonable. But is there is there any other way this could have played out where this wasn't going to be your opinion? No, I unless. Yeah, unfortunately, like this is a situation where because of the evidence, we're able to form an opinion beforehand, and I, the evidence just probably isn't going to move me off my stance. Yeah, unfortunately, unless somebody comes out and they start to be like, "Hey, I'm the guy that won the, the the millions of dollars, and and it was me, and I had nothing to do with this, and and they pay all their taxes and everything." Yeah, that then I might be more willing to think that it was real. But that was your reason for the guy wanted to do it in the first right, place. Right, I thought right? he wanted to give it to himself so that he didn't have to. So it was a money laundering operation thing, like or whatever, like. But maybe maybe he's paying it to himself so that he can pay taxes on it, so that he can maybe. legalize it. Or or maybe he's paying it to himself just to get you know publicity for whatever his website is. I don't know, but what I do know is that it makes more sense that somebody would give three hundred ten Bitcoin to themselves than anybody else. Uh, I don't know. Like, think about that. If you wanted to give money away, like, let's let's imagine that we're millionaires and we wanted to give away two million dollars. Would we give it away to like our friends and family first, or do we hate them all? Like, how many different? Maybe I don't know that man. Like, all right. So there's two thoughts here. One, it there the money did come from an account into the smart contract that had a ton of Bitcoin in it. So you can either obviously you could. You know, work in cahoots with somebody that has a lot of Bitcoin and, and, you know, theory. But I don't, like, what is the gain? Like, that's so much Bitcoin to risk with no upside. Exactly. Like, there's no gain either. It, there's no gain in the direction of actually giving it away. Unless you're easily amused and you're a rich motherfucker and you just want to make the puppets dance. That's, that is a possible. I'm leaving a small, I know a lot of rich people. They do not give away. The, I don't know. The, it, it is significantly more likely that they were just give they did not give away 310 bitcoin than it is. If this was 3 bitcoin, I think they would have gotten more publicity okay, and gotten so Here's the here's my thoughts though. There's there was four prizes. Did it go to all of his family members? No, the did other ones were all tiny. You got 0.1 What do you mean tiny? Well, comparatively. It was like 0.6 bitcoin. It's like a, several thousand yeah, dollars. But compared to 310, it's fucking nothing. Like, like I said, if he had given away, but that's not nothing though. Like, the, like uh, now, if your argument is that everybody that won it, not was everybody, like a not everybody. Member, I think those maybe. were legitimate. I think this, the point three one, the point one, and the other one were legit. I think that the they actually gave those away so that it legitimized the the big giveaway, hmm. and that makes the most sense. I don't to know. Me. We're we're skeptical, but I don't know what the answer. We have is. no evidence either way. It's just which of the two is more likely, and I think that the more likely scenario is it was fake. That's it. That's that rant. Uh, I don't know why that was before crypto around the world. We should have done the other direction. But hey, you know what it's time for? It's time for crypto around the world. Attention, please. This is the 
All right, so I found something. Uh, I found something on Reddit that I found particularly interesting. Um, there was no location mentioned, so I just thought this. It was kind of an off-topic, but I thought crypto around the world was the best place for it. So, a business owner who accepts crypto in exchange for their goods uh, basically put a a lengthy reality check out for the people to read. And he owns, he owns a business and it's accepted Bitcoin since 2017. So I'm assuming probably about a year and a half, you know, it's been accepted. He said he's only made one transaction during that entire time. And the, in the, the time at which the person made that transaction was during the, the fee crisis that we experienced where the fees, you know, were 20 to $50. Oh, right. Just yeah, for yeah. moving. It was during that. And he said the buyer was, was willing to pay the fees. So interestingly enough, a $20 fee in, uh, in December is probably only about a $2 fee now. Um, (laughs) but yeah, he said the person that purchased it was willing to pay that fee for him. So he got lucky in that sense. The purchase was for over $2,000 and he said he is thankful and he could see a future for Bitcoin where he could accept it for larger purchases because a credit card transaction for $2,000, he would have to pay $56 out of pocket to make that happen. So he's losing $56 on a credit card transaction of $2,000. Honestly, it's a great use case for a small business. Um, and one other thing that he mentioned is that when he uses Bitcoin, you know, he has access to his money as quickly as he can either put it into fiat or send it to somebody else. He says with the credit cards, if, if somebody makes a transaction on Friday, he may not get the money until Monday or Tuesday of the following week. So, you know, obviously all businesses have different needs. I'm curious, Brent, what do you think his business was? Oh, did he say? Oh, yes. uh, I, art. Not a bad guess. His. He owns a gun store. <laughs> oh, so this is not around the world. This is America. <laughs> I, you don't just get random people owning guns around the world. This is America, man. <laughs> All right. Now, there's definitely a portion of the population that is pro-Bitcoin and pro-gun. But that population is pretty slim in my oh, opinion. I disagree. The, no way. I think, I think that there's not – the people that want to buy guns are people that have – fiat dollars like stashed in mattresses and stuff like i don't see i don't see bitcoin being huge in the gun market personally unless it's unless it's like international and like illegal Eh. shit but here's the thing libertarian crypto is a libertarian kind of ideal at its core like if you're going to assign bitcoin a uh a political party that's what it's going to be and the libertarian political party is very um, you know, they're cool with guns. They're, they're like own guns. If you want, that's fine. Like, uh, you know, they, they, they're, they're about like just kind of freedom all around their like, own gun. They're, they're the meeting between like, you know, if you're talking about Republicans, they're like, yeah, guns, but we hate gays or like <laughs> liberals. Ah, we hate guns, but we love gays. You know, like the, the, they're the middle. They're like, ah, we love them both. It's fine. <laughs> so, so I, I own a gun. Um, and you know, I know that the rest of the world sees the United States and they think that we're all walking around with all right. guns hear, on hear our hips for a second. Hear me out for a second. There's, there's California, there's San Francisco, there's Switzerland, there's Japan. Uh, there's uh, a lot of these crypto places to me that are becoming crypto places are just not places with guns. You can own a gun in Japan. Not places with, you can own a gun in what's Japan. That? I, of, I, there's a lot of places you can own guns, but just, I just feel like the gun culture is totally different. It, it's very different in the United States because you're much more internationally traveled than me, so I, I will say that. Yeah, the, up front. And and I like I said, the the biggest misconception I think that people have about Americans is like you just walk around, and everybody's got a gun strapped to their shoulder, and they're wearing a cowboy hat, they're, or they're to their side, and they're wearing a cowboy hat, like. Because the statistics are crazy. Yeah, that's like 1% of Americans. Yeah, the, the statistics are huge. Like, they're like, oh, well, this many people own guns and there's only this many Americans. So, like, it's more than one gun per person. Yeah, but, like, the there are plenty of people that own 30 guns, 40 Hundreds guns, 50 guns. guns. Yes. They, they have kind of ingrained it into the culture and it's like a, a point of pride and there's all these different kinds of guns. It, it's gone well beyond the uh, the personal protection or – protection from the government thing that it is supposed to be practicality yes. uses. so um these are not people that you know want to shoot a raccoon or 
you know, a dangerous animal. These are not people that, you know, feel the need to physically protect themselves. These are people that are like gun hobbyist collectors and it's just part of their culture yes. that they want to. And that doesn't make them any more or less dangerous than any random person that owns a gun. It just means that that's what they collect instead of like stamps or, or coins or poker chips or whatever. That's like they're, they, you know, like pulling a gun out, cleaning it and, and doing their thing. So, uh, Yep, there's definitely I, – I, I had to disagree with the fact that, that there isn't a marriage between uh, Bitcoin holders and and being – I don't want to say pro-gun, but just like that guns are okay. Like they're, that they're not actively trying to get them banned. And um, and if we're talking about personal political ideals, I think it's way too easy to get a gun um, or sell a gun. You All you have to do in Florida, in the U.S., the law is different in every state. But here, all I have to do is uh, make sure you're 18 – and uh, that you don't look crazy, and that's it. I can sell you a gun for cash and just get a bill of sale. Nothing, no waiting period, no nothing. It's it's definitely interesting that the laws should be that it should be at least as difficult to get a gun as it is to get a, a license for a gun as it is to get a license for a car, for instance. I also got my uh, medical marijuana permit, and I'm not allowed to have a concealed gun permit with that license because you're more likely to shoot somebody when you're chilling the fuck out (laughs) like uh, what i don't know Uh, it i I have my florida medical marijuana registration and one of the only things is you just cannot own a concealed weapon that's awkward so it's such a weird way to attack it i I just but but you can go get drunk in a bar and drive home with a gun in your car no problem (laughs) I, i feel like there's a lot of concessions that have to be made for legalized marijuana in in our country, especially because like that people, there's going to be just these old crotchety fucks who are like, well, what are we going to do when everybody's high running around with their guns? All right, fine. They don't, they don't have to have guns. It's fine. We don't like guns anyways. <laughs> Honestly, that was my interpretation. I don't have a gun. I'm not, I'm not particularly pro gun. I just kind of was like, I mean, this doesn't really affect my life, but this is really yeah. stupid. <laughs> All right. We, we, how did we get into talking about guns in Florida politics? It's the end of the episode. Yeah. Anything Did goes. we grab anything from the mailbag? Probably not, right? Uh, I didn't I even look. Checked it recently. Hey, if you had a mailbag question, sorry, we didn't get to it. Um, we we left it blank. We we normally we put stuff in there. I'm sure there is mailbag questions that we didn't uh, that that we didn't get out there. So yeah, that's it. I think that's gonna do it for today's edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast Friday Flagship. Brent, any closing words? Uh, my closing words are. The members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors. They are idiots. Please do your own research. All investments have inherent risk. Give us a rating on iTunes. Join our Discord. Like us on YouTube. Buy a ledger, please. (laughs) Do that. That's sweet. 